Um, my name is Lori, and we are um, in uh, Daniel chapter 5, 13 through 17. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who was the one who was one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation to, of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a, a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. There was a book written many years ago, I think in the 20s or 30s. I read it in high school. I don't know. I was in the library, so I read it. Um, the book was called how to Make Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I think it might have been. Famous book, super famous. It's still a bestseller today, written in the 1920s. And in this book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, uh, Dale Carnegie gives us advice. He says there are three topics you shouldn't bring up in polite conversation. What are the three things he says you don't talk about in polite conversation. Politics, religion, and money. Money's the third one. So when it comes to politics, that's all we it, it, I talk about it now. On Facebook, everyone shares their opinions. On, and this election year, it's going to be worse than ever, right? This year is going to be my opinions. So that's going to happen. Religion, we talk about a lot more too. Nowadays, religion is, is out there. People talk about what they think about the God or the church, or people share their opinions much more freely. Well, today, we're going to talk about money. We're going to break this third rule. So we are going to look at Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar is the king. He's a young king. His father Nebuchadnezzar has died, and he now rules in his father's place. He has a party in the palace, and it's for a thousand people. So he has his, like the state level, federal level officials there, and it's a party, and everyone is getting lit. Everyone's drinking, and it is out of control. And the king gets so buzzed out, he has this stupid idea. He's like, you know what? Tells his servants, servants. Go into the treasury, bring, bring the vessels of Israel's God into my palace, and we're going to get drunk drinking out of this stuff. Bring me the high priest goblet. Bring me the basin. Bring me the vessels of Yahweh, and we're going to get drunk. And they bring it all over, and they are drinking out of it. And they are mocking the God of Israel. In the middle of their parting, in the middle of other stuff, all of a sudden, this hand appears floating in the air, and it starts writing in the plaster. Just 
this disembodied, ghostly hand. And of course, everyone stops. So the party is over. Like, a ghost just showed up. Now listen, just in case you haven't, you haven't forgot, the finger of God has not written anything since the Ten Commandments. And it's here in this party, and it's writing something on a stinking wall. The king, the king says his, his knees were knocking, is what it says. His knees were knocking. Now, the Hebrew of that phrase, it literally means his loins were knocking, which means he might have filled his drawers when he saw that stuff. That's just Bible study for you. The king is freaked out. He calls in all his magicians and enchanters, and they cannot tell him what it means. Well, then the queen mother comes out. She's like, son, your father had a man named Daniel. And Daniel was unlike anyone else. The God of his people was with him. He could tell people what dreams meant. So here we are. Daniel, the old man, retired, left to, to, to grow old in his, his room by himself, is called out of retirement. It says this, verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to him, Are you that Daniel? He was one of the exiles from Judah, who my father, the king, brought from Judah. He asked, well, I've heard about you, man. I've heard you're a great man. I heard you're a wise man. My wise man couldn't do nothing, so maybe you can help us. I need to know what that hand just wrote on the wall. And he says this, verse 16. Now, if you are able to read the writing and make the interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will rule with power as the third ruler in the kingdom. The king says, Daniel, if you will tell me what this says, I will hook you up. I will give you fancy clothing. I'll give you gold and riches to wear upon your neck. I will give you power. You'll be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, we would not know the motivation of the king's heart if not for Daniel's response. See, Daniel is going to push back against the king. Daniel's going to say, I don't want your stinking money, king. So we see this, this offer the king makes is, a, is offered in bad faith. So the king, what he's trying to do, the king is trying to buy God's favor. The king thinks, man, something bad's happening. Maybe if I pay enough money, I can mitigate the consequences. Maybe I can buy my way out of this trouble I'm in. Because a rich king, whenever things are bad, money fixes all the time. He thinks maybe I can buy off God's profit and maybe the message won't be as bad for me. So here's our first truth of the day. God cannot be bought. God cannot be bought. He cannot be bribed. He cannot be conned. He cannot be tricked. God cannot be bought. Here's the thing. Here in Flint City Church, there's not a lot of wealthy people in the house. We're not people 
who are going to like leave the church three million bucks hoping that that three million bucks is going to buy my way to heaven. I remember there's a movie I loved as a kid. I still love it to this day. A movie called The Godfather. Every man loved The Godfather. We love The Godfather. The Godfather story of a guy named Michael Corleone and his descent into the criminal underworld. Well, in part three of the Godfather trilogy, Michael Corleone feels bad for his life of murderous awfulness. So what does he do? He tries to give the church a bunch of money so that the church will absolve him of his sins before the Lord. He thinks, if I give a bunch of money to the church, they'll forgive me for what I've done. In history, this happened a long time ago. There was this thing back in the 1600s called indulgences. You ever heard of this, indulgences? In the Catholic Church, the church needed money to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. So how do you make money when there's all, everyone's poor? They sold indulgences. Indulgence was this. If you gave the church four shekels of gold, they'd give you a piece of paper that said, all your sins for the next week are forgiven in advance. How crazy is that? You're like, Lord, here's four bucks. I'm going to Vegas, baby. Like, it, you literally could buy your sins forgiven for the next week or the next month or the next year. It's one of the reasons Martin Luther put the stinking nail on the wall saying, this ain't right. Why? Because God cannot be bought. You can't go to God and say, hey, God, here's 3,000 bucks. I'm going to go sin. Peace. I once at church, one day at church, at the end of service, a lady came to me. She had some kids with her. And she goes, Pastor, you're talking. What's up? And she says, I'm leaving here. And I'm going to go cheat on my husband. And I was like, what? Like, I, I, you don't expect that, you know? We're standing in church. And I was like, what? She's like, I was wondering, can you forgive me before I go? Because okay, she thought that she'd get the, well, she, she's like, what do I have to do to be forgiven for the sin I'm about, about to commit? And she had this idea that she did something good. She could buy the evil she wanted to do. That's not how it works in this world. God cannot be bought. There's this movie I watched uh, called The Avengers, with, uh, and it was all these superheroes were in it. It was really awesome. And uh, it was great. Um, but there's a character named Black Widow. And the Black Widow is this assassin, this Russian assassin. And she kept on saying the whole movie, kept on saying, she said, I have read in my ledger. Meaning, she said, I've done evil things, so I must do good things to offset the bad things that I've done. And she thinks, if I do enough good things, maybe then God will like me. She's trying to buy God's peace. She's trying to buy God's favor. That's not how it works in this life. We cannot bribe God. I knew a lady who, um, she was a young woman, uh, married, had two young children, and her husband died in a tragic car accident. And during counseling, she said, I'll never forget, she said, she said, I did everything God wanted. I waited till I was married. I went to church every week. I gave a tithe of my income. 
God owed me a good life. So I'm like, wow, she just revealed that she did all those things, all the obedience, all the sacrifice, all the going to church. She did that to get something from God. She was saying, I'll be a good girl, but God, you stinking owe me if I'm a good girl. That's not how it works. We don't do good things to make God owe us a favor. God cannot be bought. The question is, if I can't buy God's blessing, why be a good person? If I can't buy God's goodness, why do what's right at all? Well, here's the thing. After church at the first service, my sweet daughter ran up to me, and she ran up behind me, and she started snuggling. She gave me a hug, and she's snuggling. She's like, I love you, Dad. I was like, what do you want? Because <laughs> you know? I'm thinking she's trying to get some, do you want to go to someone's house to play after church? you want someone to come over? What do you want from me? And what's awesome is she didn't want nothing. She just wanted to give her dad a hug. And I'm like, I love you too so much. Like, you know, it's like, that was so sweet. But if she had given me the hug and then said, I need five bucks, daddy, I would have known she was doing the sweetness to get something from me, right? That's not how God works. When we worship God, obey God, sacrifice for God, we do it because we love him, not to get something we're not trying to bribe him. We're not trying to leverage him. We're not trying to get advantage of him. We love him because he first loved us. God cannot be bought. Stop trying to bribe him. He don't owe you nothing, and he don't owe me nothing. Just to be fair, just so you know, this is also true in relationships. This is also true in relationships. Don't love the people in your life to take things from them. Love them because you love them. Don't love to get, love to give. You know what I'm saying? So the king thinks, I'm going to stick and bribe God. Here's all this stuff, Daniel. Give me a good reading. But then Daniel says this, verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts remain with you. Or give your rewards to someone else. He goes, King, I don't want your money. You keep your money. Give it to one of those other wise men. I don't stink and want it. Then he says, however, I will read the writing to the king and make the interpretation known to him. He's like, I'm not doing this for your money. I am going to obey my God and tell you his message because I'm going to be obedient to him. I'm not doing it to get a paycheck. So God can't be bought, point one. Point two, godly servants cannot love money. Godly servants, servants of the most high God, we cannot be ruled by money. There's a question, we, we, we all talk trash. My wife blew me up the other day. Years ago, years ago, when I first moved to Flint, I was going to try out for a play at the theater over the college cultural. I was going to be in Little Women, because they were doing Little Women back then. And uh, I wasn't going to be one of the Little Women. I was going to be a big guy. But uh, <laughs> I was going to be in the play. So I was, was going to go try out and try to be in a play. And it was going to be really fun. And I told my wife, I said, babe, what if I go to be in a play 
how to kiss a girl in the play. She's like, you better not. I'm like, babe, it's for the arts. It's for the, it's for the theater. She's like, ain't no woman's lips touching your lips. And I, I pushed a little bit. I pushed back. I said, babe, but what if I do this play and an agent from Hollywood sees me and says, oh, you're a great actor, and I become a Hollywood star, and they pay me like two million bucks to kiss a girl on a movie screen. How about then? Two million bucks. And my wife goes, so, is that what your integrity is worth? Two million bucks? And I was like, oh, shoot. How low would you go? A million? 500 Gs? 10 Gs? Where's the line? I'm like, so I didn't try out for the play. <laughs> like, but the question was strong. She asked me, how much is your integrity worth? And we would all say, we cannot be bought. But a lot of us sell ourselves out for cheap. You know Judas Iscariot, when he sold out to Christ for 30 pieces of silver? That wasn't a lot of money. Even in that day, it wasn't a lot of money. He sold out his boy, his good friend, for a week worth of wages. That's brutal. How little does it take for us to sell out our character, our reputation, our integrity, and our testimony? How little will it take? Shop with them at the Speedway. A buck 19 for M&M's. Is that what your integrity is worth, a buck 19? Maybe you had someone come to your house and do some work in your house and you stiff the worker on their work. How much you worth? 180 bucks? I saw a, a news story of a family that were serial dine and dashers. They'd go to restaurants and the kids had learned how to go, there's something in my food. We ain't paying for this. And this family would go to restaurants all around their area and they'd dine and dash people like this. So your integrity is worth what? 50 bucks for a meal? You know, lie and cheat and steal? $50? A lot of us will sell out our morals and our principles for much little than that. We'll go to work and have, we'll tell someone at work, punch me in early. Integrity. I'm not saying money's evil. We need money to live, right? But the servants, of the, the world we live in loves money and will do anything to get it. As followers of Christ, money to us is a tool. It is not a God. Let me read you out of Luke. Listen to this passage. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. It's a very true principle. I trust you with a little, I trust you with a lot. I told my kids when they're young, they wanted a dog. So I got them a plant. Keep that plant alive. We'll talk about getting a dog. The plant dies. I can touch, I can touch, I can touch, I touch with you with a plant. I can touch you with a dog. Be faithful with a little, then be trusted with a little more. He who is unrighteous in very little things is also unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? God says, if I can't trust you with the lame money, 
Why would I give you the true riches? Influence, platform, authority, leadership. If I can't trust you with money, why would I give you the real good stuff? How we live with money tells God if we're trustworthy or not. We cannot be like this world. We cannot sell our soul for the almighty dollar. We can't. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't lie to our neighbors to take advantage of them. If you have a job and part of your job is deceiving people to make more money, you got to quit that job and get a new job. I had a job once, and part of our job was squeezing money out of people. We literally didn't post our rates online because we would go to their house, we would see their home, the kind of car they drove, and try to get more money and get more commission for ourselves. And I was the grunt, and I had a guy who was my boss, and my boss guy you know who he squeezed the most money out of? Single moms, dude. He just, they didn't know, they, some of them didn't know a lot of the things, and he would just talk them in circles and just take the money out of their purses. We cannot, we cannot trade our integrity for money. We can't be this kind of people, church. Daniel says you keep your money. I don't do this for money. When you've been called, when you've been gifted, the gifting and calling the Lord has given to you, I'll say it this way. On this stage, the band that plays, we have gifted musicians up here. Jesus on this djembe drum. Did you guys hear the little, like, uh, the jingly jinglies? What is that called? What are those called? Tambourine. I heard the tambourine. I'm like, where's it coming from? I'm looking around. It was on his shoe. And he's, like, playing the, the tambourine with the shoe while he's playing the djembe up top. Nate is a school teacher playing the keyboard up here. Timbo Slice playing the bass for us through a migraine. These guys drive in early. Through the storm, through the st they are musically gifted. They don't ask for nothing. They want to use their gifts for the Lord. They know. Dude, Mr. Rick, I, I know you can't, I don't want to embarrass him, sorry, Rick. Ricky Spillers lives in the Thumb of Thumb of Michigan right now. He left an hour early today. Because drive slow through that. Because up there, they, there, there's no plows up in. What county are you in? Sanilac County. Lame. Uh, there's no plows on Sanilac. But he wanted to be here because he wanted to use the gifts he was given to bless us. He's not calling me going, I'll come. You better be $100 when I get there. Because it's not about the cheese money. It's about using the gifts we've been given to honor the Lord and serve others.
we cannot be lovers of money. We can't. We must have the same spirit as, as Christ does. Listen to the spirit of Christ in Corinthians 8 9. This is what Christ is like. It says of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though being rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We read it again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though being rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So Jesus is exalted in the heavens, on the throne, worshipped and adored by angels, and Christ leaves that riches, leaves that exalted position, and becomes a servant of all. He gives up his wealth to become poor so he can make all of us wealthy. He gives us his righteousness. He lets us be adopted into his family. He sacrifices what he's been given for the sake of the kingdom and his gospel. The Jesus way is a generous way. Listen, I want you all to be successful. Get good jobs. Make good money. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I got a new job that paid me 30 bucks an hour, I'm not going to say to you, must be nice. You know, some, people, some people like that. I wish I had a job paying me 30 bucks an hour. No, I'm going to be like, high five, baby, the Lord blessed you. I'm so pumped for you. Happy for you, for your family, for your future. I want the people of our church to do well financially. I, I want that for you because I know how stressful it can be to be poor all the time. It's, in America, it is hard to have not a lot of money. Honestly, in America, the less you have, the more you have, the more they give you for free. How crazy is that? When I was, when I was, when I was my credit score was terrible, and I didn't have to make much money, no one would give me a loan for nothing. Now that my credit score is a little better, and I don't need nothing, everyone's like, I'll give you a loan. I'm like, you butts, dude. When I needed you, you weren't there, stinking bank. Um, I want you guys to do well financially. I want you guys to do great. But as God blesses you, remember, the money he's given you, you are stewards of that money. It's not yours. He gave it to you. And we must be a generous people, holding that, whatever he gives us, hold with open hand being willing to share what we're given with others. I care for the poor. I care for people I know and love. I care for the work of God. I want to be a generous person. We're not hoarders. We're not Scrooge McDuck. We're not greedy. We're not gimme, gimme, gimme. We let the blessings of God come into our life and we let them pass through us and be a blessing to others. Here at Flint City Church, coming up, in February, what day is that? I look at my calendar, I don't know the day. February 25th, it's a Sunday night. We're having a financial class here called How to Not Be Broke. How's that for a great class? How to Not Be Broke. It's a free class. We're bringing in people from the city to give counsel to us. Listen. We're not making money off it. We don't want money from you. Our goal is to help you get better with your money. We want you to do well. We don't want you to be enslaved to debt like this world wants you to be. 
We want to see you stand up and walk in freedom. We do. We want that for you. So if you need help getting better with your money, come to the class next month entitled lovingly How to Not Be Broke. If you're doing well, if you if you do good, if you're good, decent with money, let me ask you this question. In your budget, do you budget generosity? I know you, you, you gotta pay stinking consumers, you gotta pay rent, you gotta pay car insurance, but in your budget, do you make sure to say, I wanna make sure in my life there is a margin so I can be a blessing to other people? If all the money you make is poured right back on yourself, it's a selfish way to live. We need to be a generous people, just like our Lord Jesus was generous to others. Now, listen, this sermon. There's no bucket passing. We're not trying to get money out of your pocket. This is not a fundraising sermon. We don't need money to turn this room. We have the money for this project. This sermon is for you. I don't want to see you ruled by money because money is a horrible master. It, it will rule you and give you so little in return. So, one, God cannot be bought. Stop trying to buy him. Two, godly servants cannot love money. If money, if you are doing sinful things to get money, you need to repent and stop. If you're selling drugs, stop it. You're selling poison that could kill people. It ain't worth it. You're breaking the law to make money. Stop it. It's not worth it. It's not worth your integrity. When we started Flint City Church, true story, a local pastor in the area offered our church to enter a scam with them. They said, if you'll take this money and hold your big account for a year and then give 90% back as a donation to us. That's what they call that's called money laundering. You can keep 10% for yourself. We'll give you 100 G's. You hold it for a year. Give us a 90 G donation and keep 10 G's for you and your family. Now, sitting in that room, temptation rose up in me, you know? 10 G's? That's a lot of G's. That could, ch that could help that could change my life, you know? thought about, whoa, I'm lying, I'm stealing, I'm putting the church in jeopardy, putting my family in jeopardy, putting my own future in jeopardy. And I said, no, man, I can't, touch, I can't take this money. What? I don't want this money. That pastor never talked to me again because I was, you know, a good two-shoes. He was offering me all this, you know, whatever. We cannot be lovers of money. We cannot sell out our Savior to make a buck. We can't be those people. We must be a generous people, a giving people, a sacrificing people. Now, if you're here and money is, is you're not good with money, we want to help you get better. We're going to bring in all kinds of great help to come in on the February 25th, and we're going to just help you get better with your money because a lot of us weren't raised good with money. I wasn't raised good with money. You know what my whole life was growing up as a little kid? The phone would ring, my mom would yell, tell him 
not home. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it was, dude. It was get a new credit card, put another card on that one for three months, well, 0%. That, that, was, that was the game we played. We were just playing whack-a-mole with money. It was stress city crazy. And a lot of us learn that from our families. We're terrible with money. There's a better way, a Jesus way to live with money. I want to teach it to you February 25th. So, church, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word that is true, Lord. We see in Belshazzar, we see in this king, a man who wants to buy you. And you, can, you will not be bought, Lord. You are above our money. You will not be bribed by us. Help us to come to you, not as mercenaries, but come to you as, as worshipers who adore you. Lord, let us not be a people who love money. Let us not be a people who chase the almighty daughter. Let us be a people who, like Jesus, we desire to use the blessings you give to bless others. And Lord, for the many in this room, that money is a great stressor. There are many in this room who can't pay their bills. There are many in this room who, at night, they stay up late, they stay up just looking at the sneak in the ceiling, worrying about how to pay the bills. Let us as a church help our brothers and sisters get to a better place financially, free from this burden of awful stress. Lord, your way is the best way. Help us to learn it that we may know the joy of being a steward of money instead of being a servant of money. So we love you very much, Jesus. Bless us as we go into this world. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.